The following program is a tribute to the late Dick Gregory, entertainer, civil rights activist, and wellness guru. Gregory died of heart failure on August 19, 2017. He was 84. From the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio, this is In Black America. I am the best of a half a billion, so I don't want nobody to tell me that I'm special. I know that. And these are the things that I have evolved to the point of realizing. If you ask me what is the worst shame, I would have to say a father, ten black children, that God blessed me to create ten gods, and at no time did I have, a, have an affair with Lillian Gregory to create God's new life. I just ripping off the rip off, and that's not insulting. What's insulting, I never owned a car. I didn't know the year to make the model, the down payment, the book value, the trade-in, the insurance, the monthly notes. And when I have to sit across from you at 68 years old and realize I put more planning into owning a jive automobile than creating God's new life, then Maybe the problem starts with me, and so. Uh, but if I if I had to leave one word to describe me, say agitator. And if you don't know out there what that is, next time you put your dirty, wet underwear in the washing machine, take the agitator out. <laughs> Dick Gregory, comedian, civil rights activist, and spokesman for health issues. This past March, Gregory was the keynote speaker at the 14th annual Heman Sweat Symposium on Civil Rights, held on the campus of the University of Texas at Austin. In 1949, Sweat applied for admission to the UT Law School, but was denied admission on the basis of race. With the help and assistance of the NAACP, he brought legal action against the university. In the landmark case Sweat v. Painter, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that separate law school facilities could not provide a legal education equal in quality to that available at the University of Texas Law School, one of the nation's ranking law schools. In 1950, Sweat entered the University of Texas School of Law. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, comedian and civil rights activist Dick Gregory, In Black America. The power of the God force. I was hooked to the church. The power that the most racist, racist, thug, the most wealthiest, wealthiest, unspiritual, multi-trillionaire pimp in me came from the same God. And I defy you, I have 10 children, to love and like nine of my children and hate the 10th one. You violate me as a father. And so I realize now that the dope pusher and the drug addict, the same God made them both. Mm -hmm. And so I have to have this compassion for both of them as I would like for you to have for that 10th one who have done something wrong to you. And so I guess when I sit down and look at it now and realize we all got here the same way. Dick Gregory is famous for his hunger strikes, his mobilization for social change, his Bahamian diet, his comedy career, and his anti-drug activities. He is a complex and unique man. Born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, he grew up shining shoes to help feed his family. At Sumner High School, he led a march against conditions in segregated schools and set a state record in track. 
As a star comedian in the early 1960s, he used Biting's racial satire and stunned the stereotypes of early black comics. Prompted by the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he became a civil rights and anti-war leader running for president in 1968 and fasting for human rights here and abroad. Recently, Gregory was in Austin, Texas for the 14th annual Heman Sweat Symposium on Civil Rights. I didn't realize growing up that there is about 300 different things you can eat that has more calcium in it than cow's milk. I didn't realize that the number one ingredients in cow's milk is not calcium. It's called casein. Casein builds a bone structure to carry the body's weight. Cow's milk has 300 times more casein than mother's milk because cow's milk got to build a bone structure to carry a ton plus, whereas mother's milk just have to build a structure to carry a maximum of 175 pounds. Cow's milk have to double the weight of the calf within two to four weeks. Mother's milk double the weight of the baby within eight to nine months. What do they do? What do they make synthetically with, with uh, casein out of cow's milk? They make kerosene that, that you burn for fuel, mm-hmm. and they make glue. Now, we have to ask ourselves a question. Is it a coincidence that the number one milk company on the planet, Barden's Milk, just happened to make Elmer's glue? Or do somebody know something? Now, it's interesting. All the countries on this planet that have crib death use cow's milk, where there's no crib death, there's, where there's no cow's milk, no crib. It's the gluey substance that some babies can throw off and some can't. That when you can't break it down, it shuts the lungs down, you can't breathe. And so this is what got to me, that I'm thinking that milk is at the right hand of God. I'm not told today that a carrot that was grown in 1948, that same carrot grown in the same place today, have 200,000 nutrition units less because of the way they raped the soil. Um, the American people today is not aware, many of them, that the Europeans said, do not send us your genetic food. Even Garber said the, the, the baby food they make for Europe is not made out of genetically grown soybeans. Mm-hmm. The American people is not even aware. That, I mean, they was getting ready to go to a trade war. I mean, they said, look, we're not taking it. You're not sending it over here. Now, you can mm-hmm. feed it to them crazy folks in America if you want to, but you're not sending mm-hmm. it to us over here. They don't even know what damage it's going to do to the human body. They don't care. And the American people, if I was sitting on this show today with my integrity, talking about gasoline or mess up your car, you get 10,000 calls. Mm-hmm. So if something wrong with a country that call itself spiritual, that put more emphasis on the automobile than they put on the, the human body. And this here, this here disclaimer on this, this, if this disclaimer was on a filling station, said, warning, this gasoline had been made to make That's trucks blow up. up. Man, we would be outraged, demand government investigations and what have you. And so my whole thing is after you start understanding the body and realize that your heart you got, by this time tomorrow in 24 hours, your heart will beat 150,000 times, pump 11,000 quarts of blood through your body in 24 hours. And in the average life expectancy, your heart will pump 50 million gallons of blood through your body. They ain't got a pump on this planet that can mm-hmm. do that. And so as I start getting into and, and realizing the human body. The day you and I were born, we had 62,000 miles of blood vessels. Now, I ain't talking about now. Nah. I'm talking about we just little bitty tots. Mm-hmm. Now, what is 62,000 miles of blood vessels? If you could lay your blood vessels end to end, 
they'd reach around this planet Earth twice with 12,000, this planet Earth twice with 12,000 miles left over, and yet your blood make a complete cycle every 30 seconds. So your blood travels 125,000 miles a minute, and they got me believing a jet plane is fast. So when you look now, when you get into the black side of it, it gets worse. We black folks in America handle more money than any black on this planet and most white folks other than in America. We black folks in America have more educational hours than any black on this planet and most white folks except Americans. And yet, there is no country, dirt poor, no schools, that have the death from sickness and disease that we black folks have in America. We outdie. Can you imagine? We black folks is less than 12% of America's population, and as we talk now, 87% of everybody on kidney dialysis machines in America is African Americans. There's something wrong with that picture. Black men is less than 4% of America's population. 87% of prostate cancer deaths is black men. Something wrong. If you look at young black teenage boys in America, they have more asthma deaths in one year than all the asthma deaths on this planet put together. Why? Because Harvard, Yale, MIT, they're not aware yet that asthma is basically dehydration and asthma attack is the brain sending a message to squeeze the water out the lungs. So basically six quick glasses of water would break up most asthma attacks. Well, why young black boys? Well, what do they drink? Gatorade, Kool-Aid, lemonade, and soda pop. And so when you stop and think about the stuff that could be preventable if we start understanding the human body and then look at the stats out here, we scared of drive-by shootings. And I, I say to black folks, you know, when you, when you think about drive-by shootings, people scared to come out the house in the black community. You have the number one kill in America last year was not drive-by shootings. It was 497,000 Americans died from smoking cigarettes, which is 19% of the deaths. Mm-hmm. Number two cause of death is bad diet and inactivity is 350,000, which is 14% of the death. The number three is alcohol, 150,000, which is about 6% of the death. Well, wait a minute. What what about firearms, illegal drugs? Well, firearms is responsible for 2%, and illegal drugs is responsible for less than 1%. So I tell black folk, why y'all in the house worried about a drive-by shooting, scared to come out, smoking your cigarettes, eating your barbecue ribs, not doing no exercise, and drinking your little your little wine, you participating in the top three killers on the planet. And that was, that was basically something that can be so preventable. It's difficult now. I mean, if I told somebody, say, I'm fasting, I fast four days, have you checked with your doctor? Well, my doctor been dead 27 years. That's first I can't check with him. Mm-hmm. But if you ask, you go home and say, I'm going to fast. They're going to fast. And say, did you check with your doctor? People don't check with doctor before they do cocaine. They don't check with doctor before they do reefer. They don't check with doctor before they smoke cigarettes. They don't check with doctor before they stay at a party all night. Now, we, not just black folks, but all Americans have a built-in self-destruct. We'll ask questions about everything except the human body. We will go to the store and buy a can of peas. And if you look at the word ingredients, there's 17 other words on there other than peas, of which 16 you can't pronounce, and mm-hmm. we don't ask what it is. Mr. Gregory, you gave up comedy to become a social and, and civil rights activist, but you said Dr. King was one of the individuals that, 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 that turned the light on or brought your particular talents to what? The movement, the, the movement. movement. King, King, yeah. in another way, King... When, when the cameras wasn't around, King was still that loving person. Mm-hmm. Few blacks I know mm-hmm. that will say one thing on camera and won't say something else when all the white <laughs> folks is gone. 
he always talked about love. I didn't understand what he's talking about because he was in conflict with the white folks in my head. Mm-hmm. See, my hero wasn't black. My hero was John Wayne, Humphrey Bogart. Okay. My movie folks, they said, if you right and they wrong and they won't listen, mm-hmm. go get them guns, boy, and blow them away. That was my whole mentality. You know, and so King came through and said just the opposite. You know, I heard folks in the Bible, but they was dead. Here's a live human being that I knew that I could touch, I could feel. We sit and talk, who laughed at the jokes, and and I watched him, and that had a big influence on me. And today, I'd have never thought that I'd sit across from you and tell you that I would feel much comfortable being killed by somebody than killing somebody or having my family killed by somebody, then having them kill somebody. I never thought I would ever arrive at that. You don't arrive at that from from a system with white folks. Now, uh, a lot of folks in the civil rights movement use nonviolence as a tactic. Mm-hmm. I used to ask them, how can you say you're not going to slap a white boy that spit in your mama's face and kicked your pregnant wife, but you want to go to war for this maniac and kill people you don't even know? So that's not nonviolent. And then my nonviolence spread it over to the fact that I thought should nothing be killed, so that's when I became a vegetarian at a time when I had never heard the word vegetarian and really thought you needed to have proteins. And now I've got enough sense to know that there's a lot of protein in the steak, but cows don't eat steak. And the strongest three animals in the jungle, the gorilla, the elephant, the rhinoceros, don't eat no meat. As a matter of fact, the, the, the animals we eat don't eat meat. meat. And if you brought them some animal, most folks would, you know, some, some, some uh, and said, hey, um, here's, so anyway, I'm saying that as I grew into it slowly, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you could feel your hand grow, you'd probably go crazy. You can't. So that's how I evolved. And then one day I got out of show business, not because of the civil rights, but I got out of show business because I said, God has blessed me to give me one of the funniest, wittiest minds in the history of the planet. In France at the Sorbonne, they teach a class in Dick Gregory Hume. They asked me once, <laughs> how come they don't teach a class of Dick Gregory Hume in America? Well, if I was from Paris, y'all wouldn't be teaching a class. You know, get off my mm-hmm. back. But, you know, and I appreciate that talent from God. Let me tell you why. Out of all the things on this planet that make sound, trees, they can listen to trees now. When you cut it, they can hear them scream. Out of all the things that move, out of all the things that have life and breath and, and in it, we humans are the only thing can laugh and giggle and smile and to be blessed by the God force, man, to help facilitate that. What a blessing. But then one day I said, I'm not going to use this raw naked talent that God gave me to entice people to drink. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I decided that I wouldn't work no place that served alcohol. Remember now, most places serve alcohol now with entertainment out of business. You had to go to the large venues. Uh, but back then, that, that that didn't exist. You mm-hmm. couldn't go to the stadiums and to the places right. where... And see, when you came into my nightclub, and I'm making $25,000 a week, and you had to pay that tab, it's hard for you to sit there, and when they got a two or three drink men, you're going to drink soda pop. Because if you go in and drink, if you order rum, the Coke come free. you know. And so that's the part that made me decide in 73 that I would no longer work venues that served alcohol. And you talk about that that, that raw... God-given talent. Is there a comparison to some of the comedians that that we have today? Some will say they use vulgar for vulgar sake. Uh, give us an idea. America's of a vulgar country. Exactly. America's a vulgar mm-hmm. country. America. So so why so why as we as 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 citizens are upset 
when we hear comedians use language that because they we put filthy, hear. filthy stuff on when black folks do it, but white comics they don't. Okay, Lenny Bruce. Lenny, well, let me just back okay. up. The three comic genius that's ever been produced in the history of this country. First is Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. Now. You shouldn't mention nobody else the same year you mentioned Mark Twain. That's how far out there he was. He done some stuff on Christianity that cannot be released to 500 years after he did. <clears throat> Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, when you listen to Richard Pryor, you see a difference. Now, I, I blame Richard Pryor for messing up the black comics because as a five-year-old child, you see, Red Fox uh-huh. is a fantastic mind funny, but nobody brought his records out till after the good Christians left. Right. When Richard Pryor came through, we heard his genius and didn't hear his profanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, unbeknown to the layperson, Richard never used profanity as a punchline. You could go and bleep all the profanity out of Richard's stuff. His genius is still there. But now, my five-year-old child, because... They was in the living room when we brought Richard Pryor's record out, which not Red Fox because we was locked in Richard's genius. We didn't hear the profanity. The child heard the profanity. Now, 15 years later, that child is 20, want to be a comic, they give us profanity and don't tell them nothing because you didn't say nothing. You brought Richard Pryor in the house. They just didn't hear because why should a child? There is no such thing as a genius to a child. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was Richard Pryor. We heard the genius. A genius compared to what? The, that child can't compare Richard Pryor or nothing. And so, but I'm a master con. I know how filthy white comics, they don't give them a deaf jam. Mm-hmm. And when they did that little Richard Simmons, got nerve to say, thank God at the end, put that filth on. And if you and I were white from Australia and saw that and had no contact with black folks, okay, mm-hmm. what do you think? Now, if you and I, through a gift of God, could produce the greatest opera in the history of every week, okay, HBO wouldn't have a place for it. Mm-hmm. This is the, the okay. crazy pit. Uh, I will always believe that Stephen King, when he was hit by that car, that was attempt murder. And I will always believe when Stephen King said he will never write again, mm-hmm. that's because they missed killing him and they can't put that gun. You see the movie The Green Mile? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me tell you what Stephen King did. He took a mentally retarded, the guy's name in the Green Mile. Now, I, I usually, it's so long now, mm-hmm. but normally I wouldn't discuss this uh, before people get to see it. Uh, the black guy's name was John Coffey. Those initials is J.C. Stephen King took a mentally retarded black man and made him Jesus Christ, and that's a violation for the boys. Uh, the two people that got the electric chair ahead of him, those were the two people on the cross. The Indian guy that went to the electric mm-hmm. chair said to Tom Hanks, when you get to heaven, will you remember me? That was the, the, the thief that said to Christ. Uh, no, he, no, he said to Tom Hanks, if I repent Pen now, will I be forgiven? Right. Uh, the white woman that he went in the house and touched her mouth and took the demons out, that was Mary Magdalene in, in the Bible. Uh, when the last thing Jesus Christ said on the cross is now I join my father in heaven. So that's when you saw uh, the black guy, John Coffey, looking at the Fred Astaire movie. I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. And and, 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 and uh, Tom Hanks played two people. He was Punch's pilot when he said to Tom, when he said to uh, the black guy, I can let you out of here. Mm-hmm. I open the door. And then the last thing he was Judah when he came up and he touched his, his hand. Yeah. 
And so the two girls that he couldn't bring back, uh, that was Lazarus. That was the problem that Jesus had. So word for word, mm-hmm. he ran that whole thing while these black folks are still letting him be portrayed. Here's a white boy that take a mentally retarded black man and make him Jesus. And here's uh, Richard Simmons that defiles the black woman, the whole black consciousness. And it ain't bad. See, we complained about Rochester, not Rochester, Amos and Andy. Amos and Andy. Well, you wouldn't complain now because you got people like you. We got people that's anchoring the news. We got so, but there was a time when nobody saw nothing but that one But Amos piece. and Andy. And so, yeah. and, and so I have no problem if a man want to do the most perverted, degenerate sex thing you want to do between two consenting people in a room. But why should this be on TV? Why should this be out there? And if you're going to put it out there, how come you portraying me as doing it and nobody else being portraying as doing it and black folks as part of that? And so you've got a bunch of comics, the black comics, that you and I don't know that's probably just as brilliant as Richard, but where's their room for them? Okay. Where's their room for them? You know, and so, you know, and I, I still haven't decided how Richard got sick. You know, all the people out here doing cocaine and, and drugs that don't end up like him. Mm-hmm. You know, see, the one beautiful thing about real white folks, they never told Muhammad Ali they would kill him. They said, we're going to shut your mouth. And they did. Yeah. You know, and I had about believe. I know Ali. I work with him nutrition-wise. Ali never got hit in the head. So why are you going to tell me he got parking getting hit in the head? Janet Reno got parking. She never been hit in her head. Okay, so don't, I ain't buying none of that. And so when you stop and think about the comics today, black and white, you know, mm-hmm. the, the interesting thing is that old hard, old white boy Click got knocked out to Bob Hope and all them, mm-hmm. all them, uh, Joey Bishop there because them young white comics came through there, boy, the Robin Williams and them came through there and, and, and uh, just changed the whole complex. They're not mother-in-law jokes no more. They're not the woman gets the butt of the joke. They're not jokes about sex no more, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's brilliant, man. It's, You've had a crusade back in, I think, 97, Christmas Eve, yep. uh, concerning your concerns around Secretary of Commerce, Ron Brown's Ron death. Brown, yeah. I, uh, I had some white folks that embarrassed me. Um, there were some white folks that worked for the Armed Force Institute of Pathology. Mm-hmm. One of them was one rank from becoming a general. They performed the autopsy on Ron Brown and saw the bullet hole in his head and went public with it. What embarrassed me is I don't know if I had a military mentality and been in the military 20 years and my next rank's a general. If a white secretary of state got shot in the head and I had to do the autopsy, would I worry about telling anybody? Mm-hmm. He did over a brother. What he did, he brought me the pictures. What I'm going to show you is Ron Brown laying on the ground. Now, remember, they told us Ron Brown's plane hit the mountain, exploded. They said, well, his body was so torn apart, they asked his wife to cremate the parts that they brought back, and the only way they could identify him by his fingerprint. That picture you're looking at, there's not one bone broken. There's not one piece of blood you see. He's laying on the ground in hole. And there's a picture of the back of his head. That's that bullet hole in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm saying, can I get these pictures? And the New York Times can't get them. And so I never believed uh, from day one what they told us because when they told us about the weather, 
I called the guy who's the editor of Aviation Weekly the next day and asked what was the weather like. He said it was beautiful. Matter of fact, a week later, his book came out and said it wasn't no bad weather that day. The final report had come out now and they admit that it wasn't no bad weather. The plane he was on did have a black box. Matter of fact, that Kuwait and who found that black box, they found him dead. Two bullets in the head, they called it suicide. Two mm-hmm. bullets in the head, right? So what happened was the only way we could get that out was to go to the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology on Christmas Eve when there ain't no news, mm-hmm. all the serious people's gone for the vacation, and we put crime tape around the building, the entrance. Mm-hmm. And then we stretched it across the street and blocked the traffic, the bus so they could force me to be arrested. And then I stayed in jail during the Christmas holidays. And that's the only way it broke. So that's the first time it broke in the, in the straight uh, uh, papers. Uh, when I came out, they had reached the family. Um, uh, the, the daughter who ended up writing a book, his daughter, and I hope I could never produce a child that would be as disrespectful to my death as his daughter was. Uh, I don't care, Fred. See, I'd rather have a child of mine dead than a Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, she said in the end of her book, there's a lot of questions been raised. And she didn't call my name, but I know she's talking about me. About was my daddy assassinated, uh, murdered, or was it an accident? Well, it don't make no difference. Uh, nothing could bring him back now. And the fear of knowing that them thugs out there can't do nothing to me. If I thought for one minute to God I prayed to every day, couldn't protect me against filth. And slime and the CIA and the FBI, I mean, they do stuff in this country that would make Hitler blush. And mm-hmm. I'm not just talking, to, uh, you know, about black folks. When I look at the Rap Brown piece the mm-hmm. other day, if Rap Brown did that, I did it. I mean, see, unbeknown to most folks, Rap Brown was the mightiest black power voice in the history of the planet. They framed him in New York so they could kill him. They said he stole, he had some hot washes, they shot him. Mm-hmm. Shot him 15 times, hit him eight times, but he didn't die. So he went to Attica, to jail with William Consul, his lawyer. William Consul is the same boy that represented Jack Ruby, so you don't have to be too much government agent to be that, right? Uh-huh. When Rap Brown was in Attica, Attica, they gave him an obotomy. They went in his brain and shut that down. That's why when he got out, he just docile and uh-huh. opened up a confectionery in Atlanta selling penny candy to children. Three years ago, they tried to frame him and had a brother say he shot him, and then eventually the brother rescinded it. What they said when the story broke that in the West End where he lived, 42 homicides unsolved, and they think he had something to do with it. Well, wait a minute. Man, wait a minute. Man, y'all didn't have that kind of unsolved with the Atlanta murders. What's mm-hmm. going on there? So now if you go back to the night of the shooting, they never said Rap Brown did it. They said they was looking to question him mm-hmm. because they was trying to serve a warrant on him, and they made you believe it was a violent uh, crime. But when, you, when I get the warrant, we find out it was for a nonviolent uh, crime. They served it at 10.30. How do you have a business that you in every day and I bring you a warrant at 10.30 at night? They said it happened in front of the store. It didn't. It happened away from the store and not around uh, nobody that, that, that was with him. What they said the first night is whoever did it, because they didn't know at that time both of them wasn't going to die. Right. The cops. Mm-hmm. They said that one of them had been shot. They followed the blood. They sent for the dogs. The The... The deputy that was wounded, he said eight days ago that the person that killed his partner and shot him, he know he shot him in the stomach. Well, Rap Brown, I shot him. Uh-huh. And so when you look at these, the, the conflict of what comes back, 
under the Freedom of Information Act, they never knew that certain stuff would come out. We're able to get that. And if you look across the top, you see the date up there says urgent. What's the date there? 11-17-63. That's five days before Kennedy was signed. This has been a tribute to the late Dick Gregory, who died on August 19, 2017. We will conclude our conversation on next week's program. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at nblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at KUT.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.